your heart and your vision would just be so easily displayed, God, just through his words and his actions this morning. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that we're here to receive um, just from you, God, even difficult words and, and stuff that's hard for us to hear, God, that we'd receive it with joy. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is going to be a morning that is transformative and changes lives. And we say this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Zach. Well, you glad to be in church? Yeah? Aren't you glad for the family? On these, uh, some of these Sundays, uh, it seems like every Sunday, but we pack a lot of stuff in. We have to pack a lot of stuff in, right? And this is Connect Sunday, and we have to pack a lot of stuff in Connect Sunday because we kind of feel like connecting is important, that we're called to do this together. Uh, I, I think I saw Mike saying it in the video for the small groups, but you know, let's do this together, right? Uh, Pastor Joel saying, let's do this together. And uh, it's, it's important, amen? It's important. I love it. Uh, I love it when you come a little early for church and, and leave a little late and, uh, and you linger and you, you just kind of you realize that it's the Lord's day. It's not the Lord's hour, right? Uh, it's not McChurch. Um, uh, if we if we have McChurch, we're going to get McGod. That's going to be a uh, that's going to be a quick serve bundle of something. I don't know, but it may not be healthy. So uh, it's just cool that we that we love the Lord uh, in loving one another. Amen. Uh, a few sermons ago, I think uh, as we came into Hebrews six. We talked about how serving is worship, right? Uh, and that, you know, there's lots of times we think that serving is just upward hands, uh, but the Bible makes it very clear that the, the reasonable sacrifice of worship, uh, Romans chapter 12, is also serving one another. Amen? So I applaud you, uh, and, and uh, I love the trunk or treat thing. Uh, I want to just... Uh, let you know, it's not like we love Halloween. Remember, Halloween started with the Druids, and they were all doing bad things, right? And then the Catholics came along, and they got all these Druids born again. And all these Druids gave their lives to the Lord. So then they said, okay, well, on this fall solstice, on this, on this night that you've been doing naughty things, uh, we're going to hallow the saints. So it was called Hall Hallows Eve. Did you know how that, that's, how it got, that's how Halloween started? Halloween was All Hallowed Eve. It was the eve that we would hallow the saints. So now here we are, fast forward, you know, a couple thousand uh, years past uh, the Lord's ascension and the beginning of the kingdom. Uh, we're, we're not really fond of some of the negative things that are attached to Halloween in our current culture, but we want to be redemptive in our culture, Right? Uh, and so to have 700 children come through your parking lot on a rainy night and you can love them and they can be safe and you can care for them and you can, some of them got prayed for, some of them got encouraged, some of them got uh, ministered to, and all of them came into a hospitable environment. You know, one of the prophetic proclamations we said over this event and over the parking lot and over the gathering would be that it would be safe, there would be a spirit of hospitality here, hospitality here, that people would feel loved. And we, we heard that. Joel heard that at the back of the Jeep. Uh, this family came from India. They were here 
so, you know, obviously they live here now, but their roots are in India. And they were like, what in the world? And why do you guys do this? And, and we just feel so good here. And this is amazing here. And so they were, they were bearing witness, and others of us heard it as well that night in and around the place that people felt cared for and safe and encouraged. So it's not like we love, we don't, it's not like we like what the Druids did, right? So don't, don't get confused here. It's not like we're, uh, we're fond of witches. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. But if we can be redemptive in culture, and when all of cultures out there kind of tasting of darkness in a small way, Maybe we can serve up some lightness on a night like that, right? So uh, it's the same thing with Easter. We'll do our Easter candy hunt, and some of that we'll have 800, 1,000 people here for the candy hunt. Uh, we're not into bunny rabbits. We're not into Easter eggs. We're not into the, we're not into the fertility gods. We're not, but it is a redemptive time for us to be a church and meet the community. And, and uh, uh, 700 people that didn't know we even exist came on this property Maybe more. I think maybe more. It, I think it was up near a thousand, maybe. But, but we got to be safe with our numbers, right? Katie's got to be honest. I got to be evangelistic. <laughs> Probably a thousand people came through here. That's what preachers do. That's what preachers do. Okay, a couple other things uh, I want to mention to you. Our attendance uh, has been up a hundred and fifty more than it was a year ago this Sunday. So that's been, uh, that's been happening every week, and to God be the glory. I just think God's doing this uh, in spite of us, right? Not, not, be, not because we're amazing, but because He's amazing. Uh, so just say this to you, though. It's put more pressure on us. And I notice, and I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate uh, anim anonymity and... Uh, and I appreciate the, the bubbles all of us have, but I notice many times when we come in and sit, we'll sit on the end of an aisle. And so we block that whole aisle. Or, you know, I just notice that we'll, we'll do things that are kind of a little bit uh, isolatory and that kind of a thing. So I want to encourage you, though, that there's more pressure on parking right now, right? Uh, so even, even last week on a Seahawk Sunday, we had 348 in church. That was 146 more than a year ago on the same exact Sunday. Uh, so that means a lot more pressure on parking, a lot more pressure on seating. And I don't think this is going to go away. I think this is going to continue. So we're, this is good. This, we want this, right? Uh, we want these kinds of problems. So, but I just share this with you that uh, we want to be parking across the street more frequently. Uh, we've got a parking team out there. Marshall's leading a parking team. If they tell you, hey, drop people off at the front door and then go back to the We're actually looking for a golf cart, by the way, right now. So when you drop off your family, you could, on a rainy day, you could go back over across the street, maybe park in the dental apartment. We can hold about 30 cars over there in the dental office, and then uh, we hope to cart you over. So we've got, we got the old red van in the meantime, and we're going to put some ugly magnet stickers on that, and it's going to say shuttle. Uh, but in the meantime, but we're trying to figure out ways to, you know, just so, so, so that you can still, you know, guys, keep that fancy hairdo dry, and, and, and we get you over here back into the service. So, but just be thinking about this. There's more, there's more uh, wonderful pressure on us right now. We want to rejoice in it. 
but we want to also be selfless and serve one another and, and uh, 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 let God do what he wants to do. Amen? So that's, that's kind of a fun thing. Yes? Uh, a couple more things real quick. Uh, one more. One more thing. Uh, today is the, uh, the end of the textile drive, essentially. So uh, many of you don't know it, but up in the, up, the unfinished upstairs, we have a mountain of textiles. So you've been giving textiles for about six months, and uh, we have a truckload now. And that truckload will go to like a recycle center in Tukwila this week, and uh, then they'll cut a check uh, for our missions ministry of we don't know how much yet, maybe 1500 or more, up to $2,000. We don't know, but, but looking at the mountain, it's going to be about that big, right? So right at the end of service today, we need your help. Uh, I'm going to have a couple people, Chase, uh, Jared, some others will be upstairs at the mountain, uh, and then we'll open the last baffle. Uh, we're going to drop that stuff down. Hopefully, you'll be out of the way. Uh, we'll drop that stuff down right there at the last baffle at the back door. We'll open the back door, and then it's sidewalk all the way around to the, to the locked gate. And we're, we want to truck that stuff around, so I need about 20 or more of you to just do the big human textile truck. And we'll truck it all around to the back gate, and then this week the truck comes, we'll back up a truck, and then we'll load up the truck uh, and take it in. So how many of you can stay about 20, maybe 30 minutes, uh, and help us with that? So hands up everywhere, so boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Whoa, dude. This, did you see the lingering over here? Wow, we should have started the, the wave over here and then waved it over. They would have had to respond. But Okay, so that's good. So uh, we'll just do this human thing through there. Uh, Chase will be upstairs. Jared will be upstairs. Uh, Solomon, could you be upstairs? Have you got a minute or not? Are you staying for a minute? Okay, so Solomon, if you could be upstairs. Uh, and then if they need one more upstairs, Jeremy, are you staying? Jeremy, maybe you could be upstairs potentially too, okay? Give all those guys a thank you in advance as well. Um, that's not a guy thing only, ladies. You're, I mean, this stuff's all in bags, and it's just like bags of clothing, right? It's all in uh, bags, so uh, it's easy. We can all get involved and have fun with it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. We've got three minutes left to preach. I love it. Every time God shows up, he ruins the sermon. I just, I've, what is up with that? I mean, who's, who's in charge around here anyway, right? Aren't you glad for the presence of the Lord? Aren't you glad that, that we can come to a place where, where he meets us and we're encouraged and we're built up and strengthened and edified? Amen. Isn't that good? Don't you love that? Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want it any other way. Amen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, um, I want to pick it up, let's pick it up, and I'm, I'm going to the, uh, I'm going to read out the New International uh, Version this morning, and uh, for the sake of time, I want to hone right in on one thing. Now, yesterday, I threw out a Facebook uh, lure, 
and I drug it through Facebook, but I can't answer that today. So I don't think I'm going to answer that today. Uh, so, but the lure was, uh, the lure was, why do we need a priest? Hebrews chapter you know, 7, 8, and 9 really all go together. I was going to read Hebrews 7 and 8 today, uh, but they, uh, those, those three are married together like poof, solidly, right? Uh, 7, 8, and 9, and they talk about Melchizedek, they talk about the priesthood, they talk about Jesus becoming uh, this uh, new priest. And um, so, um, last week we jumped into Hebrews chapter 7, and uh, we spent some time on Melchizedek because he's introduced at the end of chapter 6. And by the way, we're going through the Hebrews, and uh, this could be the longest series of New Horizon uh, uh, that we've ever had, so... If you're wondering when this will end, no, none of us know. It's kind of like the second coming. No man knows the time or the day or the hour. Uh, so we, we don't know when this will end. We're just we're having fun, right? And uh, at the same time, I'm encouraged to just kind of let it breathe a little bit. Uh, you haven't encouraged me that. The Lord, the Lord's encouraged me to just you know, kind of slow down, let it breathe a little bit, right? So we don't need to rush um, through this. We want to kind of taste of some of these things. Uh, as we can. So, let's taste a little bit out of uh, the middle of Hebrews chapter 7, and I want to taste on this new law uh, and what this new law is, and, and we'll just linger on that a little bit because uh, I've got some thoughts on it. Um, but we won't have a lot of thoughts today, therefore, potentially, on the priesthood and on Melchizedek and some of that. So, verse 11 of chapter 7, if we can go there, are we there? Verse 11, if perfection could have been obtained, uh, uh, attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek and not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear. If another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has not become a priest, who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So let's give you a little bit of background. Melchizedek, uh, we touched on it last week a little bit, and uh, we'll touch on it just a hair. Melchizedek is this priest who appears out of the middle of nowhere. By the way, I had a new rhema on that this week. He appears out of the middle of nowhere when Abraham has victory in a war. And as he's returning from this victory, this is in Genesis 14, he's returning from this victory in this war where he's rescued Lot and these kings that were with Lot. As he returns, this priest meets him. And now we're told this is the first priesthood. And we're told that he is thus the beginning of a priestly ministry. We're also told that Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is an interesting name. We'd wonder where in the world did that name come from. 
uh, but the name in the name is the meaning. So the name means king of righteousness, and we're told that he has no lineage. So we understand through Scripture and through uh, reviewing all of this stuff that this is like a Christophany. This is like Jesus appearing to bless Abram, Abraham, as he's returning from this battle. And as he returns, he doesn't just bless him, but first he introduces a, a covenant relationship with him. And at the end of that which would be covenant-keeping speech and uh, relational connection, they have a covenant meal. So this is described in, in not only in he, uh, 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 Genesis 14, but also in uh, chapter 8 of uh, Hebrews, which we won't get to today. And so uh, they have a covenant meal, and then he blesses him, and he declares over him, by the way, it's the Lord God that enabled you to win that battle. Blessed be Abram, and he says, and it's the Lord that caused you to win that battle. Abraham's response is he kneels before him, and then he gives him a tenth of all of the spoils. He honors him by giving him an offering. So this is where Melchizedek shows up, and Melchizedek then is woven together in this relationship with Abraham that God has begun that is a relationship of faith. And the relationship that God has with Abraham, this covenant relationship that God has with Abraham, which is a relationship of faith, where God has said to him even that because Abraham believed, God credited his spiritual bank account with righteousness. That's Galatians 3, Galatians 4, Romans 4. It's, it's all over in Scripture that now because Abraham believes, and the believing started back in Ur of the Chaldees, right, in Genesis chapter 12. Before we get to chapter 14, we got, we got Abram uh, in this barren land or a drier land or, or a forsaken land, and he's in a pagan household, but God calls him to the land that he leads them to, and this land is going to be a fertile, gorgeous land like the land of Eden. Kind of what God wants to do in your life, too. And so we see this is, this is a relationship of faith, and Abraham is learning to follow the voice. Do you remember uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3? Remember 1 Samuel chapter 3? It came to me, and I was sitting here thinking about this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, Samuel's dedicated to the Lord. Uh, Hannah, the mother, uh, presents Samuel to the Lord because Samuel, uh, she couldn't have children. So she's like, if you open up my womb, I'm going to give this one to you, right? And so she leaves him at Shiloh. She leaves him at the house of the Lord. And so as he's growing up, there's a day where he hears the voice of God. And we know that Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of, of Eli, were, were serving. They, 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 were, they were apostate. They were unclean. And so God wants to raise up a new priesthood. And so all of this is working to God's good, not just Hannah's good, not just Samuel's good, even Eli's good. And so God's doing something really cool. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel goes to bed and he's laying in bed and he hears the voice of the Lord, Samuel. And he, he gets up and he runs into Eli. Yes, yes, your servant is listening. Well, that, that wasn't me. That, that, that wasn't me. Go back to bed, son. So he goes back to bed, right? 
And, and it happens again. And he comes back to Eli, and he's like, oh, that, that wasn't me. So it happens a third time. So Eli's like, oh. And it says visions were rare in that day, right? It says the word of the Lord was rare in that day. It says, you know, it's just they were living in a day because of what was happening with Eli and Hophni and Phinehas and, and the priesthood. The things were just kind of, the, the word of the Lord was suppressed. And so the third time he comes in, all at once he, Eli gets a revelation. Like, that's the voice of the Lord. He's hearing the voice of the Lord. And he says, next time when you go in and you, 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 know, you hear that, say, here am I, Lord. I'm listening, right? And so now this is Samuel beginning to talk to the Lord. And for the first time, he begins to relate to the Lord. Well, we, we have to picture the life of Abraham like that. And so he's called the father of faith. He's called the father of those who will walk by faith. And now Jesus comes to revive the priesthood of Melchizedek. When Jesus comes to revive the priesthood of Melchizedek, he's actually, the Scripture, the Bible's actually telling us something. In other words, he's reviving the walk of faith. He's reviving and he's fulfilling the promise made to Abraham. And so as we see the season of the law coming to a close, and he says, if there's a change in priesthood, there will also be a change in the law, is what he says here. A change of priesthood means there will be a change in the law. Well, so what law do we shift to? James calls it the royal law of liberty. What law do we shift to? If there's a fading out of one, that was the shadow. The law was a shadow of the fulfillment that we find in Christ. What is it that we, if, the, if, if there's one law because the law regulated your life, essentially you knew what to do based on the law. And when I talk about the law today, I'm not talking about fully the fullness of the Torah. I'm talking about specifically the Ten Commandments. And so though there was much more in the Torah that gave direction, that gave insight, that gave understanding, the Ten Commandments are that which were those regulations that I could even measure my righteousness by. I could measure if I'm fitting in. I could measure if I'm bringing God pleasure. I could measure uh, uh, my, my worth before Him. There, there were so many things tied to this. And so now if the Bible says that when the Melchizedek priesthood is restored by Jesus who restores it, who also comes as one who is given this by an oath from Father, sworn out of Psalms 110, but also because of his indestructible life. We recognize his indestructible life is woven, connected to righteousness, that Jesus, he is the king of righteousness. So then what law do we, what law do we segue to, right? What law we... What law will guide us? If I, it, when, when we were under the law, we knew exactly what to do. We knew exactly that, that we didn't steal. We knew exactly that we didn't lie. We knew exactly, we knew exactly what to do. And, and it was pretty well set and clear to follow these things. But now he says in verse 12, when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. So what's going to guide us? 
well, this is the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. What was guiding Abraham? Abraham lived 430 years before the law. What was guiding Abraham? The voice of the Lord was, who said that? Who said that? The voice of the Lord. Well, you get coffee wherever coffee is served. The voice of the Lord was guiding Abraham. And so we see this, this, this crazy thing happening, this crazy fulfillment. And I want to go to a couple verses with you because we do have a couple minutes left. Is that all right? And I want you to catch this this morning. I think this is important. Uh, I want to read a couple things to you that I think tie into this. The law still has, by the way, the law still has value for all of us, and the law is still a shadow of the real deal. The law is still a shadow, and we can discover a lot from the shadow. We can see a lot, perceive a lot, discern a lot, learn a lot about Jesus, about God by looking at the shadow, but now we're connected to the real. But one of the values that the law had was to show us that we sin. Romans 3.19, and I, uh, I didn't give you these. I'm in big trouble. Uh, so back at projection, uh, if you could find Romans 3.19, uh, I would forever be humbly gracious, thankful. Uh, Romans 3.19 through 21. Now we know that whatever the law says, it saw, says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law. For the law merely brings awareness of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. So this is interesting. There's a shift, and we're, we're shifting away from the Mosaic law. We see Jesus coming and restoring the priesthood that ordained, that anointed, that blessed Abram. And we see Jesus restoring this new priesthood, and he says now that he, or this priesthood, and now he says there's a shift of the law, and now the law, now we see these verses in Romans chapter 3. It says that the law brings the awareness of sin, but it doesn't bring righteousness. So I want to jump down in Romans chapter 3 or jump over Romans chapter 3 uh, and talk about what brings righteousness and the law that we've been shifted to. Is that all right? Romans 3.27, where is boasting? It is excluded by what? kind of law? Verse 27, you can go there. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not also the God of Gentiles? Yes, Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith is one. So this is interesting. As one law fades out, a regulation, very clear, we can measure ourselves against it, uh, very identifiable. What we're shifted to is we're shifted to the resurrection of the law of faith. He says that how we are now justified is through the law of faith. 
Now, I want to submit this to you. It's not only how we're justified, it's how we live. And it's not only how we live, but it is how we continue in daily behavior to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. And the result of it is going to be fulfilling not just the law, but going beyond the fulfillment of the law because our hearts have been transformed as we listen and follow His Word by faith. Now, I want, to, I want to show you what I mean by this. I want you to go over, over to, oh, honey, I'm in trouble. My phone down there? Is my phone there? <gasps> Bill has it. Good. Thank you. Uh, I want us to go over Romans chapter 14. So in the next few minutes that we have, I'm going to read this whole chapter to you, Romans chapter 14. Uh, can we do that? And actually, if we can pull it up uh, on the screen, Marissa, if you can do that, well, I can just read it off the screen. Okay, so I, I, I want to submit this to you to think about. This is why it's so important, though, that we live by faith, walk by faith, that we attune our ear to the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to tell you all sorts of things, even today, that aren't written in the Torah, that aren't written in those Ten Commandments. And though there is value in the shadow, you have the real living on the inside of you. And as you tune your ear to hear His voice, not only will it transform you inwardly, not only will you come into agreement with that transformation with the soul coming now into agreement with the Spirit, but what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself living out this, this Jesus life, that's going to blow you away, blow others away. It's, it's because, and it's, it's, it's as simple as walking by faith. And walking by faith is not an altar experience only. It's not a one-time experience only. It's not a coming to the Lord only. Walking by faith is a literally moment-by-moment experience in the Lord. Romans chapter 14, are we there? Now, look at this. He's going to talk about this, and he's going to end this passage, verse 23, with one of the craziest things ever written in the Bible, all right? So, we're going to read 23 verses. You ready? Yes, we're going to end late today, uh, but we will call the instruments up in a minute. Amen? And if you have to leave, God bless you. We love you. Amen. Now, except the... Accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. By the way, your mind, let me just deal with that for a moment. Your mind is not your spirit. Your spirit is where the spirit of Jesus dwells. He actually said right there something actually pretty deep, is that uh, if you've got a double mind, you've got troubles. 
A double mind means that you hear the voice of Jesus in your spirit, but you're arguing in your soul. So as we move into this realm of thinking about faith and following the voice of faith and, and, and developing by faith, growing by faith, that is the voice of the Lord, uh, we, we want to bring our soul into agreement to the voice of Jesus, right? He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. And he who gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. In other words, think about this, is that everything you're doing actually is for the Lord. The way you drive, for the Lord. The way you eat, for the Lord. To God be the glory for everything that you do. That's the way we think now. Those that belong to Jesus... See, we're in covenant with him now. So those that belong to Jesus, uh, it's like, here's the covenant relationship right here, right? Uh, so um, to honor the covenant, uh, I'm, I'm going to think about everything I'm doing in light of how she might feel about it. Is that all right? Because a covenant means I've laid down my life to live for you, and you've laid down your life to live for me. So he says this is the way we function even now in regard to the Lord because we're in covenant with him. Let's go on. For not one of us lives for himself, not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love, do not destroy with food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have as your own conviction before God, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating, his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. 
Wow. That's a powerful passage. I encourage you to meditate on it uh, and to think about it. And, and I, were you catching what he was saying? And this is, this is interesting because we've transitioned now to the law of faith. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you moment by moment all of the time with the voice of the Lord showing up in your inner man and perceived in your mind. And he might have something totally different for you than he has for somebody else. I remember, uh, uh, and, and, you know, he begins in this passage all about food, and then he includes days. Food, he starts with food. So food sacrificed to idols, food that is unclean food or clean food according to Jewish standards. And then he goes into days, and then he ends by including drinks. He pulls in drinks. That's interesting that he pulls in drinks. So, and I remember one of the guys, uh, you know, was sharing with me, one of the guys in church was sharing with me that uh, when, they got, when they got set free from uh, drugs, uh, they held on to a little bit of alcohol. And so uh, they continued to just kind of argue that that would be okay and I'll just submit to you right there, if you've got to argue with the Holy Spirit with an inner voice, if you've got to argue with the Holy Spirit, maybe it's not okay for you. And so what happened, though, over time, uh, as they continued to argue, some things transpired, mistakes took place, things went sideways. But during that whole process, you know, they would continue to have this kind of this justifying argument because other Christians drink. And if other Christians drink, if other Christians can have wine or beer or alcohol, then it must be okay for me to have wine or beer of alcohol or alcohol. And this is, where, this is where the law of faith is so much more wonderful than the Ten Commandments because the Holy Spirit knows your weakness. He knows your future. He knows what you're up against. He knows your pressure. He knows your trials. He knows the way the enemy wants to snare you. He knows the weakness of your flesh. He knows your lineage. He knows what you were born with. He knows what you need to overcome. He knows what might cause you to trip up. And so the Holy Spirit knows you like nobody else. So the law of faith living in the, on the inside of you will lead you in a way that's totally different than he's leading anybody else. And you got to be okay with that. And if you'll be okay with that and follow the voice of the Lord, then you'll partake of the law of faith. The law of faith is essentially setting clear regulatory governmental pathways for you with his voice. And if you'll follow that, you're going to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So here's what we don't want to extrapolate. We don't want to extrapolate my liberty is a liberty for you. It might not be. Your lack of a liberty may not be your a, liber, a lack of liberty for me. This is why we have to be real careful even in, in the food we eat, the way we observe days, and, and even if, we're, if you're having a little bit of alcohol, okay? If you're having a beer or some wine or whatever, uh, uh, it's not for me to judge that. Do you, have, do you have doubt in your heart about that? Then that doubt is the voice of the Holy Spirit coming through the law of faith to lead you to set that aside. That might not be for you. 
that could be the truth. That could be the same thing about food. You're looking at other Christians. They eat that food. They eat this food. They eat the other food. Well, the Lord knows your propensity to cancer. He knows the weakness of your flesh. He knows. He knows all about your. He knows about your guts. He knows your propensity to divert diverticulitis. He knows. He knows everything about you. The Holy Spirit says, "Leave that food alone." And you say, "Yeah, but all those Christians eat it." Yeah, but I, I'd like I'd like you to leave that food alone. Well, yeah, but but so many others. It's it's kind of tasty and it's kind of good food. I'd sure like it if you'd leave that food alone. This is the Holy Spirit. He's come, it's the voice of the Lord coming behind you. And you and if you look at others and you want, well, others don't do that. It's we aren't, fo- we aren't following a regulation of a set code that we all punch a ticket on. We're following the voice of the Lord. That voice of the Lord knows you like nobody else. The voice of the Lord will protect you, lead you, guide you. And the voice of the Lord will keep you hedged in in a place of righteousness where Jesus has you fully covered. Are you getting that? Is that okay? Let's have the praise team come. We'll try to close. I know there's more there, and it's, it's deeper, and a preacher could go on for a long time. Uh, you know, we could really have fun with that. But I think you're getting the idea. I think you're getting the idea, and this is why it's so important that, that we come to the Lord, that we come to the Lord, that we yield to the Lord, that we recognize that the law or the voice bearing witness to transgression in my heart is telling me I need a Savior. The voice bearing witness to transgression in my heart is telling me I need to open my heart to Jesus. It's telling me that Jesus wants to cover me if I will yield to that voice, if I will yield to his leading. Because, see, Jesus has done something for us that was impossible for us to do ourselves. That is He lived a perfect life. Then he gave himself up for us, and now he lives to represent us before the Father. Would you stand this morning as we close? I want heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment as well. If you're here this morning giving your life back to the Lord, if you're here this morning restoring your relationship with him, if you're here this morning and things have been distant between you and Father, Maybe you're here this morning and you've got the testimony of transgression that's been rattling around on the inside of you. Maybe that's been happening a little bit. The Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here to bring a lifting of that guilt. Only He can actually wash the inner man. Only Jesus can wash the consciousness The laws of God still bear witness to transgression if we've not come to Jesus, if we've not given our lives to the Lord, if we've not accepted His sacrifice. And that's just, that's just God trying to help us. That's God trying to help us. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. 
This morning, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and just make themselves available. And if that's you this morning, if you need to clear anything up between you and Father,